welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. Here on Sunday nights, we are going through a sermon series on things that we think about, topics and issues that we wonder about, but for whatever reason, they're never preached on. You never ask about, you never speak up about, but you, in the back of your mind, you're wondering. I want to tell you a true story. In Georgia, I know of a church that was not far from me. And I know their pastor. And their church was growing. It, it, was, it was really on fire. And they started, they were probably running about two or three hundred folks. But then they shot up. To about six, seven, eight hundred people. I mean, they really, they really were picking up. And they had a, a committee meeting and had a team, and they met, and they were talking about we need a larger sanctuary. We need, we're, I mean, they're running like three services. I mean, their sanctuary literally was like our old one over here. And they were, pack, I mean, just packing folks in. Multiple services that morning. Assembly line services. Filled with folks. Well, they decided to go forward and borrow five and a half million dollars, build a nice brick, red brick church that seats 1,500 people. Now, they were already, they were already like halfway there. They were already running like seven, eight hundred. But they had big plans, and this was when the economy was, back then, really good. Things were going really well. They borrowed a little bit more than they could afford. Well, you, we all know what happens in churches. They went out, and whenever you go into a building plan, and you borrow lots of money, eventually, after you get it built, the bills start showing up. Well, it's nice being debt-free because you don't have a mortgage. You don't have the payment. The debt payment's not coming in. Well, after they built their new sanctuary and they owe $5.5 million in debt, the pastor told me the debt payment, just, just the, the, the bare minimum payment, not paying any principal down, just the interest with the loan, was $45,000 on that. That didn't count any principal. That was on top of all of their, that's per month, regular giving. And we all know what happens in churches. After you build a new big building, there's so much excitement. Then you move in, it's like, well, is this it? They started falling on hard times, this church did. And I knew their pastor, and he told me, we went to lunch one time together. He told me, he had to go to the bank that they had borrowed the money for and literally beg the banker not to foreclose on their church because they were struggling so much. They were laying off staff members. They were cutting severely cutting their budget because they had this mountain of debt. And he said, what happened? I said, Who, why did y'all borrow so much money? And he says, let me tell you what happened. We were in a committee meeting, 
That's always, you always blame committees when it comes to the Baptist church. You can always point to some committee. That was the problem right there. And he says, we were originally planning a three to three and a half million dollar church. And then we had several guys in the meeting that they started talking about these upgrades we could do. And they were on the committee. And they suggested we could make this change here, we could increase this here, we could improve our lighting, improve this here. When you, we all know what happens. When you're in the showroom, what, the price goes up too. You start making all those changes. That three to three and a half million dollar church shot up to five and a half million. And then the church in a business meeting goes, yeah, we're packed, we're growing. You know, the committee voted for this. Amen, let's do it. Let's move forward. They went basically two million over what they were planning and what was recommended to them. And they borrowed too much money. And the Bible speaks to us, and that's what we're going to answer tonight. The Bible warns us about debt. So what I like to do on these Sunday nights, I'm going to answer my question before I even share you this, the, the, uh, the, uh, the Scripture here. Is it wrong to borrow money? And the answer to that is be careful. That's the answer. I'm not going to give you a yes or no. Because the Bible never prohibits us borrowing money. If you have a mortgage right now, you have borrowed money. But the Bible greatly warns us about debt. Debt is a weight that you and I can carry. And we can carry it all the way to our grave. I want to tell you what debt does in the life of people. It takes Christians whom God has called to be generous whom God has called to be just overflowing with compassion and helping meet needs. But when you have a mountain of debt over you, when that black cloud hangs over you, and all you can worry about is your bills and what you owe and the debt collector and how you've got to pay this off, it strangles you. You don't have any freedom. You can't give. You can't bless other people. You can't provide scholarships to teenagers who might need them. You couldn't just be a blessing to somebody and buy them lunch or dinner. You can't do it because you have other obligations. Debt is a dangerous thing. One of the most famous of all debt counselors in the Christian world is Dave Ramsey. In fact, Christians... Has, have made him a multi-millionaire, basically telling everybody, what he does is he tells you to do three things. This is it. Every Dave Ramsey book, you've read one, you've read them all. Spend cash for everything. Have the most thrifty, tight budget possible. And save. That's it. Save. Have a laser-tight budget and spend cash. You do those things, you will not find yourself in a financial mess. Because those are timeless, tried-and-true practices and principles that Christians, that we as believers can use and apply. We are very blessed in a church. We met our budget. We are debt-free. We don't borrow money. 
We have church credit cards, but the balance is paid off every single month. We don't pay interest on anything. God has blessed our church financially. And the Bible teaches us, when we live by these principles of doing certain things with our money, that it frees us up actually to do more ministry and bless other folks. Look at these quotes right here in your handout that I gave you. I tell you, online folks, you who are watching right now at home, you go on our church website, you get our bulletin and follow along. Dave Ramsey says, Debt is not a tool. Borrowing money to make money or to get money, that's not a tool. There's a lot of tools out there, but debt, he would tell us, that's not a tool. He believes in old Tommy practices of work and sweat and labor. You do that and it pays off in saving. Number two, he says you must stop doing some bad things, the bad things he calls spending money, borrowing money, using credit cards, before you can do good things. So in order to, before you want to start doing good things with your money, such as giving other people, blessing other people, saving money, you have to first stop doing the bad things. And the bad things are the painful things. The bad things are budgeting. The bad things are credit card spending. The bad things are taking out loans that you, you, you just can't, you don't have the money for. Do you know, I don't know how, I guess y'all give out my phone number to folks. I get text messages every day, Gene, of people, spammers, texting me, offering me money. Do y'all get this stuff too? Spam texts for loans. Free. $5,000 loan. Click here. We'll sh put it in your bank tomorrow. Every day. I bet right there, I bet I have a new one. All the time. They have to call you. You check your mail. Half of my mail. It has to be your mail too. What do you get in your mail? You get credit card offers. You get people offering you a loan. They're gonna, they want to offer you something. Because they're going to charge you interest. That's how banks make money. They know I'll loan you money and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to charge you for taking this money. You want some immediate cash? Here's your ticket. Dave Ramsey, I like this quote. It might not be appropriate for church, but it is principle. Dave Ramsey, I want to say God does set these type of people free, encourages everyone to think like a drug dealer. I've never dealt drugs, but apparently they carried cash. And Dave Ramsey is a fan of cash. You think like a drug dealer, he says. You go around and you pay cash for everything. Here is why paying cash is so important. Paying cash, you spend less as a whole. It hurts when you're sitting there, one, two, you're just like, this is my money. I'm, I'm literally watching my money go away. He actually encourages people to use envelopes. You give each family member, here's your little envelope, and here's your cash for the week. That's all you get. You can spend it all on Monday, but then you starve the rest of the week. It, he, he teaches these principles. It prevents less impulse buying. It's easier to gain out-of-control spending habits. Those extra places you stop by, Target, Walmart, Kroger, the mall, and you buy something 
that you, you really weren't planning on purchasing that or the extra meal you go out to eat. And it's easier to track because you always know how much is left because you can literally see it with your hands. There's a danger in using a debit or credit card. You can't track it. It's just, it's gone. You don't always know how much it costs you when it leaves your pocket. So let's take a look at some scripture here about money. So we're answering this question. Is debt wrong? Be careful is our answer. Look what God's word says here. Turn in the, your Bible to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 22. We're going to be looking at this scripture, scripture about what the Bible teaches for us and about how moving you from being a taker, someone who's spending, maybe even spending money that's not even yours, to being a giver. God wants us to be generous. He wants us to have a giving spirit. But becoming a giver takes work. How exciting is it to be able to pass away, to stand before the Lord with, with open hands and say, Lord, I, I gave it all away. Everything you gave me, I blessed other people with. I lived my life pointing people to Jesus, helping meet other needs, and being a blessing to other people. That's what God's plan is for us. God blessed the Israelites in the Old Testament. God's hand was upon the young church in the New Testament. It says in Acts chapter 6 that they were freely giving and meeting the different needs. What a wonderful church we can be. So whenever there's a need, whenever there's an offering, whenever there's an opportunity, we can step up and meet that need. I mean, just, just the gift card collection we did to, with, when Zach went to Western Kentucky, that was over $5,000. I think even more, I heard even more that just kept coming in to be able to go to First Baptist Princeton, Kentucky and say, here, Chris Wright, here is from our church to help bless these people here in this community that have lost everything. That's Christian compassion, Christian giving. Look what God's Word says for us this evening. Proverbs 22.7, it says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. The borrower, the one who borrows from someone else, the one who takes out a loan, the one who says, do you mind loaning this to me? When you do that, you need to be careful because you're saying, I I'm on the hook. You've got me. I know I'm going to have to pay it back. But I become a slave. I'm now your servant. So the Bible is warning us about debt. Flip over here to Proverbs 22. Keep going down and looking at verses 26 and 27. It continues on about the dangers of putting up security for a loan. God's Word tells us, don't be one of those who enter agreements. Who put up security for loans? Putting up security means you're going to co-sign. Somebody's going to borrow something, and you're going to say, well, look, I 
I'm going to borrow this money, but I need to give you some collateral. So I'm going to put, put Betty's piano and the organ over here as collateral. So if I can't pay it back, you're going to take the piano and take the organ. And the lender will do that. I want to tell you something about churches. Banks don't want churches. They don't have a lot of options. But I want to tell you this. A bank would love our church. Do you know why? Do you know I have gotten phone calls for our property? Y'all know why? Look out the window right here. Look at this road. Some developer drives by and he sees a car lot. He sees shopping center. He sees a perfect location for a nice office building going up 15 stories and parking all around. Many people would love this location. We learned from the Lexington Police Department during last fall's revival that our location is actually with New Circle Road, with Harrodsburg Road, Alexandria and Pasadena right here, this is the, not one of, the busiest intersection in the entire state. State. That includes Louisville. We could not have picked. The folks that planted this church could not have picked a better location than this. A bank would love for us to default on a loan. Now, that country church out in the out in the off-beaten path where there's not a lot of developers fighting for that land, they're not going to want that. But right here, this location, they get a hold of this, rezone it, you've got commercial property right here. This Bible verse is warning us, he's warning us today that we do not put up security for loans. You have to use extreme, careful. Don't be the one who enters into that agreement. Verse 27, it says, If you have nothing with which to pay, even your bed will be taken from under you. Meaning, even your home, you'll lose it. You can lose your house to foreclosure. The bank will take it. They're ruthless. Telling someone, oh, don't you have compassion? No. It's just a transaction to them. They're going to take your home and they're going to resell it. They're going to take your car, repossess, repossess it, and resell it out there. I want you to know, many people in our city, some of you think, Daniel, that's not the world I live in. Have you all ever seen payday loans? Have you ever seen these places called cash advance? Those folks can prey on people who need money. And they lose their home. They lose their car. They lose their four-wheeler. They lose anything. They, they lose their bed. They needed immediate cash. They go to payday loan. Outrageous interest rates. And it's gone. There's folks in our city, not very far from here, that they look at those places as that's their source of income. And the Bible's telling us that one of, our, one of the most important things for us as believers to do is to teach people financial stewardship. Jesus taught them financial stewardship. He talked about the great danger of money 
yet also the blessing that money can be to other people. In fact, let me share some of the scripture that the Lord has spoken to us about. In Matthew 6.12, Matthew 6.12 is the Sermon on the Mount. I have it up here on the screen. You can look at it. He's telling us during the Sermon on the Mount how to pray. And he says, while you pray, one of the statements you make, and forgive us our debts. That means we have a debt. A debt means two different things. People have sinned against us. We have sinned against God. There's people who owe us something. When someone has sinned, sinned against you, they owe you, according to the Lord, they should extend and ask for forgiveness. When we have sinned against God, we owe to the Lord, says, Lord, I have sinned against you. I'm asking for your forgiveness. Debt is what makes us lost. It's a spiritual weight of sin. When I say debt, I'm talking about spiritual debt. Sin. We go to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. But not only is, does debt also talking about spiritual debt, there's also indebtedness to each other. That means there's things that we have done to one another. We've taken advantage. We've said hurtful things. Maybe we've stolen from them. And God is looking to us saying, you need to go and extend and ask for forgiveness. How can you receive Christ's forgiveness when you withhold forgiveness to someone else? Forgiveness is something that runs through the, the doctrine of salvation. Understanding what it means to be forgiven. And for us as believers, maybe someone has loaned you something. Or you've loaned out something to someone. And you need to, at this point, say, that loan needs to become a gift. Because I'm not getting it back. One of my first, Ill, first ever lessons in this, when I was in college at Sanford University, I served as a summer youth pastor of a church called First Baptist Church of Largo, Florida. Largo, Florida is in Pinellas County. And we had a uh, kind of a stewardship finance committee chair of a gentleman there who um, taught me a lesson in teenagers, how they don't pay their bills. We were going to youth camp that summer, and we had this great group going. We went to some camp a couple hours away, and it cost back then, it was like 100, 200 bucks for each child to go. Well, and we had a, several kids um, said they needed a payment plan. They just needed some more time. Their mom didn't have any money. Uh, dad just says, you know, just go to camp and tell them we'll pay it, pay it back later. I was like 19 years old. I actually believed teenagers when they told me, 19, 20 years old, that when a 15-year-old tells you they're gonna, their daddy and mother's going to pay back the camp, they're actually going to do that. So we went to camp, and I made a little note, in my little you know, youth pastor notepad, little Johnny owes $150, and I, there was like three different people that still had balances, and it totaled like three, four, five hundred dollars something like that. So we went to camp, and I got, after camp was over, I gathered up my receipts, 
And, um, you know, I went back in because it was like I had to settle all the bills and everything with the, uh, finance, this finance guy. When I went to his office, we met. And I said, you know, here's our receipts. Here's what we spent on gas and things. And, oh, these three people here, here's a little ledger. They owe $450. But I promise, sir, they're going to pay it back. They've spoken to their moms and dads, and you're going to be getting that money very soon. They're going to pay like $25 or $50 at a time, and I'll keep track, and I'll keep letting you know. I gave that to him. He busted out laughing. He said, Dan, I want you to know something. You will never see a dime of that money. They're not going to pay me that. Do you know what? They didn't pay a dime. I followed up with them the next week in youth group, and I asked them about it, and, they, and then that entire... Remaining part of that summer, I would each Wednesday night, I would see them. I would ask them, oh, by the way, are you ready to make your payment on your youth camp? Now, at this point, youth camp was over with. Teenagers don't pay back their debt. They didn't put up any collateral. The church gave them a gift of a free scholarship for those kids. I share that because Jesus tells us here, in Matthew 6, 12, there's sometimes we need to just extend forgiveness. It's just not going to happen. Some folks aren't going to be able to pay it back. They, you will not, you're sitting around hounding and nagging someone and a realistically view is they will not pay you back. So you just have to accept that. That became a gift. God knows we cannot do anything to pay back for our sins against Him. That's why He had to send Jesus to die for us. Because we can't do it. We're helpless. Look here in Matthew chapter 6 again. Skip down to verse 24. And I want to read this out of the King James Bible. King James Bible illustrates this well. It's up on the screen. No man, is still in that Sermon on the Mount, same chapter, can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. So Jesus is making a contrast. He says you can't live your life divided. You can't be split for Jesus. You can't have an attitude of thinking, today I'm going to live for Jesus. Today I'm going to love the Lord. And then the rest of the week, you're doing the opposite of what the Lord will want you to do. Christ is saying, I want disciples, I want people who are fully devoted to me. Or else He will he, he'll love the one or the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise others. There's going to be this division. There is no such thing anymore of a cultural Christianity. Cultural Christianity used to be, we even talked about this in our church ministries council meeting, cultural Christianity is where, you know how folks used to feel like they would have to come to church to be a good upstanding citizen in the world? They wanted to be seen. They wanted to be noticed. Those days are over. It's socially acceptable to just say, I'm totally unchurched today. I don't go to church. It's not for me. I worship at home. I do my own thing. And the Bible warns us, for folks who refuse to go to church, we do not see Christians in the New Testament that refuse to go to church. There's no, it's totally foreign to New Testament Christianity. And this last statement Jesus made, after He's saying, you cannot live a divine life, we're probably thinking, what, what would be the division? What division is Jesus talking about? And he, he clarifies it. Here is the division. 
ye, that word means you, ye cannot serve God and mammon. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Meaning, your greatest enemy on this earth, your other master, is money. The desire, the allure, the passion, the longing for, the opportunity, this loving desire for money. You cannot live your life, Mr. Christian, as saying, I love the Lord, I love God, and I love money. You can't be greedy for money and, and have a love for God. Greedy people, the Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, go to hell. They are not saved. God does not save greedy people because they love money. There is a desire for that. Keep looking here in your Bible. Look at 1 Timothy 6.10. I have it up here on the screen. 1 Timothy 6.10 continues to warn us about the problem with money and how it's a root of all types of evil. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have, look at this, wandered away from the faith. They've actually quit following Jesus. They no longer follow and live for the Lord. They serve their money. They have left the faith of Jesus Christ and they're, they're just wandered off. They don't even realize they did it. I want to tell you what that looks like today. Someone who works every single Sunday. Someone who has a job every single Wednesday night. Every single Sunday morning. Every single Sunday night. They never have an opportunity to come to work, worship. To come to church. They can find themselves by their job that wandering from the faith. You know, I remember when Sherry became a nurse. Her first job, when you become a nurse, that means you take night shift. And her first job, she was a night shift nurse, which you go in at 7 p.m. and you get off at 7 a.m. at the hospitals. They're in Fayetteville, Georgia. And she worked in the ER. And our church in Georgia had an 8.30 worship service. Now listen to this, folks. This is the ultimate Christian right here. This is what she did. She'd get off work. She'd clock out, drive to church. She'd be arriving right before 8.30. I think you were still in your scrubs that first. I mean, she's walking in in bloody, dirty scrubs right from the ER. She would come sit on the front pew after staying up all night. And I'm not kidding. She fell asleep. Dozed off. I could preach the greatest sermon ever. She's sleeping there on the front row. And we saw this a few times. And after about a month, we started praying. And her and I started talking. saying, This isn't working for our family. Like, Cher, you aren't experiencing worship. You can't come to church after working 12 hours and sleep on the front pew. That's not church. And we started praying for her an opportunity that she could change shifts, still work at the hospital, but start working a day shift. And God opened that door. 
And I think for some of us, maybe work is keeping you away on Sundays and on Wednesdays. You're missing God's house, being with God's people because you're at work. And folks, we have to work. But there's other days of the week to work. And she applied for and looked for different opportunities. And God opens those doors. And if you know of folks that maybe you have people in your family and that work is keeping them away every Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, ask the Lord and God will grant this because He wants us to worship Him. He says you, people will actually wander away from the faith because they're always at work. The desire for work and money causes them to leave Christianity. They wander away from the faith and they pierce themselves with many griefs. Money causes pain. Money might give freedom. That's what it promises. But it causes pain. You say, what do you mean it causes pain? It causes pain because of greed. There's always a desire for more. More, 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 more. You're never content. This was the tenth commandment. Do not long and love your neighbor's ox or donkey. It's this envious desire. If only I had this. Folks, this is what makes Instagram so great. Because you can take a picture of yourself and put it out there, and then you compare it to other people and think, well, I'm not that skinny. I don't look that good. I need some filters. I need to make some changes in my life. And you're constantly feeling like, I need to do this. And it never is enough. The sin of covetousness the sin of envy, the sin of this desire for being someone or wanting something else is rooted in the love and the pain of money. That's why the plastic surgery business is so... But you know there's a plastic surgery center right there. Did y'all know that? It's called Kern Plastic Surgery. That's why that, there will always be plastic surgery. There'll always be weight loss in January. There'll always be opportunities for you to join a gym and look good. Because the business community knows people have this desire for something else. It's a lack of contentment. How exciting is it for the man to say, I'm happy with who I am. I buy generic brand at the grocery store. You might drive a car that's notorious for breaking down. You are happy with un, unnamed and unbranded clothes from, the, from goodwill. And it doesn't bother you. The Bible's telling us, don't allow this to pierce you. That's the danger of money. That's why Jesus is saying, be careful. You know, there's some things in your life you need to deal with. And one of the great things is how we handle how we manage our money and i'm speaking to myself sherry and i have four children they cost a lot of money they're very active there's things to do there's always something to buy i have to get cash from the bank because every day so it seems like the school's always selling something there's something always they need oh it's always five to ten dollars i need five to ten dollars for this and that and the other and it adds up 
And what we in our lives, we have to have the spiritual and the godly wisdom that says, Lord, I need your help in managing my money. I don't want to be driven by this. I don't want to find this myself living in debt so that I can never be a blessing to other people. God is not looking for full bank accounts. He's looking, listen folks, He's looking for people who are empty. They're empty. Say, what do you mean they're empty, Pastor? People who want to be filled by God. You've come to this worship service this evening, and God is speaking to you. God has called and brought you here. Online folks, you're listening to this, and the Lord is saying, let me fill you up. Not the bank. Not a loan. Not the credit card. The Lord is who we turn to. We want to be a church that God blesses. This evening, I'm asking you to look to the Lord, to raise your hands to the Lord and say, Lord, you fill me up. Because I won't get it anywhere else. I don't want to find my life being a slave to someone else. God reminds us in Job 121, last Bible verse. This is on your handout. This would be a Bible verse to always end. When you think of your life, you can, the whole world, your life is summed up in this Bible verse. Job 121 says, Naked I came from my mother's womb. We came into this world with nothing. Nothing. And naked I will return there. Job knows where he's going. Job's a man who had extreme wealth and he lost every penny of it. And God gave it back to him. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Who's the giver? God. Who takes away? God. No matter if you lose it all or you get it all, everything comes from God. And we praise Him tonight. We thank the Lord. The Lord is anything you have. Even when you stuff you don't have, you should still be praising hands that are even full of money or have no money. We praise and we are thankful to God. Lord, I pray for the folks here listening. I pray for the folks online listening. I pray for the folks who are struggling, worried, anxious about money. Bills to pay creditors to talk to every month it's the same old lord help us surrender everything we have including our checkbook including our bank accounts including how we spend our money we're so cautious with our time help us use the same caution as we use with our time towards our finances lord help us be have the freedom not to buy whatever we want, but to bless whoever we want. Lord, we take these words and we pray that You seal them on our hearts. Lord, take Your Holy Spirit and give us the knowledge and discernment of how to use worldly possessions, which is money, which is a false God, but use it for Your kingdom. Lord, we thank You for the wisdom, the financial wisdom and stewardship of our church. God, I pray that this invitation will not pass with someone not responding to you. We thank you.
for your word. We thank you for the words of Proverbs. And we pray also that you give us the boldness and courage to respond to you and make the changes you've called us to make in regards to our finances. In Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen. We're going to close this service here with an invitation. Miss Betty, Mr. Jean's going to lead us in our invitation. I'm going to invite everyone to stand up. We're going to stand up. This is your opportunity, your chance. You can make a decision. Make this your church home. You can come forward, take my hands right now, and we will pray for whatever your prayer request is. We surrender it and turn it over to the Lord. Gene?